Well, it's great to be here. Um, I hope you guys are doing okay. Um, just a privilege to be able to speak to you guys this morning. I just particularly want to add my welcome to um, Kirsty and Paul's welcome to those of you who are visiting this morning. We love having guests among us. We just hope you feel really at home. And particularly if you're here and you, you're, you would say that you don't really know where you're at with regard to what you think about Jesus. You're perhaps looking in. You don't really know whether Jesus is really real, but you've come along and you found yourself here. Um, I just want to say that you are so welcome. You're in exactly the right place. And Jesus really wants to meet with you this morning. And just my prayer is that you would really encounter his love and his goodness. Um, So I just hope you feel really at home here this morning. Um, For the observant among you, you will have realised I wasn't here last week. Did you miss me? You guys, some of you honestly didn't even know, did you? (laughs) But thank you anyway. Thank you anyway. Um, I was visiting a church in Leicester called King's Church Leicester, and I had a team with me, and we were just serving those those guys over there through the Saturday and the Sunday morning and had a really brilliant time. Uh, They're quite a small church, but they're really hungry, hungry for God, hungry for his kingdom to break in, to see miracles and healings and freedom and and to be able to take it out wherever they find themselves. So we had a really fun time with them. And I just thought I'd share a couple of stories just because when when those of us who have the privilege to travel and see breakthrough, what we see is all of our story, because we've all been on the journey together. So you guys want to hear a couple of stories? So um, on the Saturday, uh, at one point, I brought a word of knowledge. Um, I felt God speak to me about something he wanted to heal, and it was to do with lower back pain. And just for those of you who've never had a word of knowledge before, God can speak in a variety of different ways, and sometimes he gives you a subtle pain in your body uh, to tell you what he wants to do. And I just noticed I had a bit of an ache at the bottom of my back. It was very subtle, so I could have really ignored it. But the thing about words of knowledge is you don't know whether what you're hearing is right unless you share it. So I shared this word of knowledge, and this lady responded, and she had lower back pain, and she'd had lower back pain for a few years. I think originally she did it through, um, I think she said she fell down a hill or something, or I don't exactly know how that happened, but she really badly injured her coccyx. And then later on, she had a car accident, which just aggravated the injury. So I went up to her and I said, um, do you have one leg shorter than the other? Because sometimes back pain is caused by a misalignment. And she said, oh, no, I don't think so. I think I've, I've just got pain in my back. So I said, well, let's check it out anyway. So she was very obedient, and she sat down on a chair, and I grabbed her feet, and one of her feet, one of her legs was about that much shorter than the other. It was quite a significant difference, probably the biggest difference I'd seen. And so I said to her, we're going to pray and just check whether she wanted to be taller or shorter. You know, do you want this leg to grow out or this leg to shrink? And most people say what she said, she wants the leg to grow out, but it's always good to check. So we prayed, and I had a few people from the church there gathering around, and, and uh, the girl we prayed for said she, she wanted to keep her eyes shut because she didn't want to manipulate what God was doing by moving uh, subconsciously, unconsciously. So, so anyway, we prayed, and after a period of about a minute or two, just bit by bit, the leg began to come out, come out, come out, come out, until they were both totally even. And she stood up, and her face was like totally blown away because all the pain in her back had totally gone. And she was standing straight, which was so cool. It was so exciting. So that was one story. And then that evening, sadly, the, the, uh, one of the daughters of the couple who lead the church was not very well in the night. She got a high temperature and she had a really bad headache, uh, so much so that her mum ended up sleeping with her in her bedroom and just praying for her and asking God to break in. And they just really felt like it was a bit of, a, bit of resistance from the enemy as to what he'd done on the Saturday. 
And uh, so in the morning, she sent a text to the team and said, please, can you pray? So we prayed for uh, their daughter that she'd be okay. And they decided to try, try out coming to church and thought, you know, hopefully she'll be okay. And uh, so a few of us got to pray for this little girl when we arrived at the church and, uh, and uh, just prayed that God would remove all the sickness. Anyway, later on in the day, we got this text from her mum. And she says, so just to update you on our daughter, she is very happily playing with her brothers after church. She's had no headaches since being prayed for this morning. We have just retested her temperature. It's completely normal. When, when our daughter gets temperatures, it is normal for it to be well over 39, like it was last night, and it normally wipes her out for most of the week. I haven't seen her feel so rough that she felt unable to lift her head or turn in bed before as happened last night. And I have also never seen her recover this fast when the temperature has gone so high. It is a miracle. Thank you, Jesus. In her words, mum, this is amazing. Isn't that awesome? So good. So good. So we had a wonderful time just just being able to give away what God's doing among us here. But just to provoke us, there's so much more for us. Do you guys know that? So much more for us to go after in God and see God do in us and through us as a church community. We're grateful for what he's done, but there's more. And, and this morning, I'm really expectant. Um, I'm continuing our series that Simon started last week, our in- Incomparable series, where we're basically looking at God which I think is a good thing to do, isn't it, really? We're looking at the nature and the characteristics of God, and we're going to just delve in to investigate and study who he is a bit more to get a big picture of who he is, because when you get a big picture of who God is, it changes everything. So this morning, I'm really excited to be talking about uh, the topic of God is our shepherd. God is our shepherd. And uh, I don't know if you know this, did you know that the word sheep appears in the Bible more than the word grace. Over twice as often as the word pray, and nearly three times more than the word church. And that the New Testament uses the term shepherd seven times as often as Christian. Do you know that? The truth is that shepherds and sheep were everywhere in the ancient world. Everybody knew what a shepherd was all about. At the time when Jesus walked on the earth, the time when the Bible was written, everybody understood who shepherds were and what their job was. And so when David writes in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, and when Jesus says of himself in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd, everybody would have understood the rich and multifaceted beauty and implications for their life in that truth. Because they understood shepherds. They were everywhere. You fast forward to our day and age, many of us have never even met a shepherd. And if we ever see sheep, uh, as often as we're going for walks in the countryside, and uh, honestly, you could easily think sheep are actually pretty good at looking after themselves because they're kind of just there doing their thing and there's no shepherds in sight. And so when we hear the truth, the Lord is our shepherd, it's a familiar truth, but I'm not sure we fully grasp the incredible richness of what it actually means to have God as our shepherd. And so this morning, I just want us to try and get to grips a little bit more with this truth that God is our shepherd. And I want us to do it by taking a a little bit of a fresh look at Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is a very well-known and well-quoted psalm that was written by David, who was an expert shepherd himself. What we need to realise is that when David was referring to God being his shepherd and understanding that he was God's sheep, 
he would have been writing and seeing that through a particular filter of understanding what it was to be a shepherd and what it was to look after sheep. And so in order to really get to grips with how, how much hope and truth and comfort we can take for this psalm, we've got to get inside David's head. And we've got to be able to read the psalm from the perspective of what being a shepherd actually meant in that day. And I haven't got time to go through everything that I've discovered, but I will just recommend this book, which is by a guy called Philip Keller, and it's called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And basically, this guy takes each, each line of Psalm 23 and unpacks it from the perspective of a shepherd, understanding what it meant to be a shepherd, and therefore unpacking what David would have meant when he wrote the stuff that he wrote. And it's so rich and beautiful. And for me, just as I've read through this, I have got revelation of God as my shepherd in a whole new light And uh, I just would recommend this book to you because we can't look at all of it today and I think we're going to get some in the bookshop over the next week or so, so you can can purchase that there. But let's just uh, read the psalm together and then we'll, we'll dive in. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's just pray. Father, we just want to thank you that you're our shepherd. We want to thank you for this amazing psalm. We want to thank you for the truth that is packed into it. And Father, I just pray that as I look at just a couple of things this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would bring fresh revelation to us of what it means to have you as our shepherd and also what it means to allow you to shepherd us and to learn increasingly what it means to be your sheep. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let me start at the beginning. David starts the psalm, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Other, other translations pull it like this, The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. Or, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And I'll tell you what, there is so much comfort and truth and hope in just that one statement. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And before I read Keller's book, I had absolutely no idea how much effort it took to be a shepherd. I had no idea how much hard work it took, that if you're a shepherd, you had to be really forward-thinking in order to be able to lead your sheep to the right places at the right time. And I had no idea that in order to be a shepherd, it took so much time and attention to detail. And not just through the day, but also through the night as a shepherd, you were still responsible for your flock, and so you would have to sleep with one ear open to what was going on. It was a full-time vocation to be a shepherd. And I also learnt through this book that sheep, contrary to what I'd thought, actually are not very good at all at looking after themselves. In fact, sheep, more than any other class of livestock, require endless attention and meticulous care. 
which kind of made me understand a bit more why Jesus calls us sheep, because that phrase, endless attention and meticulous care, I could take as being a fairly good descriptor of me. I require endless attention and meticulous care. And, you know, without the shepherd, the reality is the sheep would not survive. They, really, they just wouldn't survive. They were entirely dependent on the shepherd for their life. It was the, the shepherd who led the sheep to good pasture and to good water. And if the shepherd didn't intentionally lead the sheep there, they would not intuitively be able to find it on their own. They were dependent on the shepherd for their food and for their water. And it was the shepherd who was the protector of the sheep. The shepherd protected the sheep from danger and made sure they don't, didn't walk into danger themselves, protected them from predators. And it was also the shepherd who rescued the sheep from, from going into situations that would have been dangerous for them. The shepherd was crucial for the well-being of the sheep. They were entirely dependent on him. And when I read these two things, I had these two insights of how utterly dependent the sheep was on the shepherd and how much work the shepherd had to do to do a good, good job to care for the sheep, I realised that the well-being of any one particular sheep was going to be entirely dependent on the care, ability and attention of the shepherd who owned it. If you had a, if you had a bad shepherd as a sheep, you're going, to be, you're going to be struggling, but if you've got a good shepherd, you're going to be okay. And Keller wrote this, some men were gentle, kind, intelligent, brave, and selfless in their devotion to their stock. Under one man, sheep would struggle, starve, and suffer endless hardships. In another's care, they would flourish and thrive contentedly. The flourishing of each individual sheep would be entirely dependent on the ability of the shepherd to care for them well. And David would have known this firsthand. And that is why he is able to declare with such confidence at this beginning of this psalm, because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because he is the one who is shepherding me, I can be totally content and at rest in his care because I know what he's like. And the truth is we aren't being cared for by just any old shepherd. (laughs) The Lord is my shepherd. And in John chapter 10, Jesus, I love it, he, he must have known that, you know, people would have known. If he just said, I'm your shepherd, people might have thought, well, you know, is he a good one or a bad one? I've seen bad shepherds and those sheep, they look really scrawny and they're struggling, but what kind of shepherd is he? And Jesus defines the kind of shepherd he is by saying, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And he follows it up by saying, the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. The reality is Jesus has paid the highest price for you and for me. He's literally laid down his life so that we can know life. He has paid the highest price for us. And the cross demonstrates the extent of his care and it proves his commitment to us. The cross shows us how much Jesus cares for us as our shepherd. He's not shepherding us from a distance. He's not indifferent about what's going on for you right now. He's not distant and blasé. He's not just leaving us to fend for ourselves. He has entered in and he is close and he is with us in whatever's going on for us right now. And it's so important that we understand this truth of God's intimate involvement in our lives because we have an enemy who is trying to lie to us about the nature and character of God. 
And particularly when we're going through tough times, one of the main things the enemy wants us to think is that God has somehow abandoned us. That when you're going through difficult situations, the lie that often comes, where's God? Where is he now? He's abandoned you, he's left you, and the enemy wants us to believe that about God because if we believe that about God, if we think God has left us, it's likely that we are also going to turn away from him. I remember... um, when I, I had some surgery several years ago now, and I was in hospital, and I was in hospital for a week to recover from this particular surgery. And on the third night I was in, I think it was the Wednesday night, it was really, really not a good night. I felt very, very ill. I felt very sick, but because I had had an incision down my abdomen, it was just not conducive to being sick if you needed to. It was just too painful. So I felt really sick, very lonely, very alone. I was trying to sleep. Nothing was... I just felt... I got to that point, God, where where are you, God? And it would have been very easy for me to wander down that path. But I heard a a few days after I'd come out of surgery that on that same night, God had woken up a friend of mine and said to him, you need to pray for Wendy. And so totally independent, I didn't know that was going on, but God had woken up a friend on the exact same night when I was crying out to him when I was desperate and said to my friend, you need to pray for Wendy, and he prayed for me. I tell you what, that gave me an entirely different perspective on the whole thing. He is our good shepherd. And he's not shepherding us from a distance. He is involved. He is connected. He feels what we're feeling. he's, He's with us. He knows exactly what's going on for you right now. He knows exactly where you're at, exactly what's going on for you right now, and he is close to you. He will never abandon you or leave you. And he doesn't just know what's going on for you. He wants to act and respond on your behalf. He's not just there, oh, I know what's going on. He's actively looking at how he can intervene and break in on your behalf because he's a good shepherd and he's laid down his life for us. Because the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. We can be utterly content in his care for us because we know what he's like. I just want us to take one minute just to turn to the person next to us and this is what the question I want you to answer. I want you to answer this question. Tell the person next to you one way that God has been good to you this week. Just one way. One way that God has been good to you this week. And if you're here and you're not yet a Christian, just listen to what the person next to you tells you. But let's just take a moment to engage in the goodness of God in our lives. One thing, one way has been good to you. So I just want to talk now. Let's look at another piece of this psalm. And I want to focus in on where it says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And the sentence that David chooses to write that in starts like this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I think we can learn two things immediately from this sentence that David writes. The first is this, that having Jesus as our good shepherd does not mean that we're never going to face trouble or trial. It doesn't mean we're never going to come across that kind of stuff. In fact, Jesus says to us in his word, in this life you will experience trouble. But the second thing we can learn is that we don't have to fear this trouble or the trials because Jesus is with us. And he's not just with us, but he's actively responding and breaking in on our behalf. 
And you know, when Jesus references that it's the shepherd's rod and staff that comfort him, he would have understood as a shepherd what he used the rod and staff for. They, they are, they're the two main tools that shepherd used and they had different uses. They used them for different things. And David would have understood, understood that. But how many people here own a rod and a staff and understand what that's for? We can't fully understand, unless we understand, what did the shepherds actually use the rod and the staff for? Well, let me tell you, let's focus on the rod first. Why was the rod such a comfort? Well, the rod for a shepherd was like a meter-long stick with a rounded end, and it was the shepherd's main weapon of defense. And so, first of all, the shepherd would use this rod to protect its sheep from predators, from external predators that were trying to come to take them out of the flock. And that should be a great comfort to us to know that our good shepherd also does that for us, that he intervenes and is alert to and attentive to any external predators or evil that are trying to come at us to take us out. He's not indifferent about it. He's alert to it. He's ready for it. And he's ready to use his rod to take them out to protect us from danger. And you know, my conviction is I think God is protecting us from danger all the time and we just don't realise I really do. I think God is protecting us from danger all the time and we're just not aware. So just a couple of examples. I mean, there have been times when I've been leaving on a car journey somewhere and I'd set a certain time I was going to leave, but for whatever reason I've ended up leaving late and I've probably been quite frustrated about leaving late and I've gone off a little bit frustrated, but I've got to a point on the journey where I've realised up ahead there's been an accident And I think to myself, gosh, if I had actually left when I had planned to leave, I may well have ended up in the accident. Anyone else have those kind of... Well, I think that is my good shepherd using his rod to keep me away from danger. Another example, when I talked about my surgery that I had several years ago, it was because I had cysts on my ovaries, and the first consultant I saw, it was a lovely guy, but he did say to me, if we open you up and it's really messy in there, we might have to remove your ovaries and... Just, just take them out. And I had to sign a consent form to say that that was okay if they needed to do that. But as part of my consultation, I also met with a lady called Bryony. And she was a lovely, lovely lady, originally actually from Australia. And at one point um, before my surgery, she, she said to me, Wendy, I'm going to make sure we do everything we can to, keep, to make sure we keep your ovaries. And I felt real comfort from that. And actually, the outcome of the surgery was that they were able to remove the cysts and keep the ovaries there, and they worked, and it was, it was an amazing outcome. And I saw Bryony from, for one other appointment, and then she was gone. I never saw her again. She was seconded somewhere else. And honestly, looking back, I think that she was placed there at that particular time for me because I think the enemy's scheme was to remove the ovaries. I think that's what he wanted to do. He's the author of sickness, and he wants to bring death. But I think God set that lady there at that right time for the, for the moment I needed her to be like a rod on my behalf and to fight off the enemy. I think, I think God is protecting us all the time, and we're just not often aware of it. So the shepherd would use the rod to protect the sheep from external predators, but he would also use the rod to protect his sheep if they were wandering off and they were about to get into their own danger. And so if the shepherd saw the sheep wandering off and going down the wrong path, and maybe they were approaching poisonous um, weeds or they were getting too near to the water 
or they're about to get into a right old mess, what the shepherd would do is he would throw the rod towards the sheep to land in a particular place so the sheep would be diverted back into the flock. And so the, sheep, the shepherd would use the rod really as a form of discipline. Because he loved the sheep, he would throw the rod as a form of discipline to redirect the sheep back into the flock so that they were going to be safe. And again, the truth is that God is like that for us. He is our good shepherd. And because he loves us, and because he wants the best for us, he also gently and tenderly disciplines us. So that when we are going our own way, and we have gone off track, and we were heading into danger, he breaks in through his word, through the Holy Spirit, to discipline us, to redirect us back into the right path. And we must take great comfort from that. Because the the comfort we can take from that is that we can know that as long as we are submitted to him and we are listening to him, then we are going to be able to stay away from danger and stay safe. And I think that there's several ways that God disciplines us, but just a couple. First would be his word. You know, this book is packed full of amazing instruction and insights about how to live as believers and about how to stop doing stuff and start doing other stuff so that we flourish in life. It's packed full of rich insights for us. Things like don't get drunk on wine, don't gossip, flee from sexual immorality, don't lie, do not judge, pray without ceasing, love your enemies, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's full of incredible insights to help us stay away from danger and instead embrace stuff that is going to cause us to flourish. It's brilliant when it comes to disciplining us in our relationship with God. So let me ask you, how are you doing at allowing the good shepherd to gently discipline you through his word? How are you doing at allowing him to do that? Do you love his word as a source of discipline in your life? Do you see it that way? Do you know it? Is it in you? Is it able to keep you safe because you understand what it says? I just want to encourage us to perhaps begin to read God's word through a different lens, and that is to read it through the lens of the good shepherd keeping us away from danger and leading us into life. It's because he's good and because he loves us that he disciplines us through his word. And then another way that God disciplines us is through the Holy Spirit, through nudges or prompts or convictions. When we're about to go into a path that is not going to be good for us, the Holy Spirit is so quick to nudge us and to prompt us and to redirect us so that we don't walk into danger. And what I've realized this week is that the rod of God, when it comes to discipline, is comforting, but it's not always comfortable. It's comforting because we know that he is not going to let us go where where he doesn't want us to go, but it's not always comfortable. And I was, uh, as I was preparing this talk, I am... I thought it would be a, this would be a good moment to share a time in my life where God had disciplined me through the Holy Spirit. Uh, but you guys would want to hear about that, wouldn't you? And so I was thinking, oh, what would be? A, I'm sure you, I'm sure Holy Spirit has disciplined me loads of times. What would be a good story to share? How authentic should I be? 
Um, and I had, a, I had, a, I had a, a story in mind, but I was thinking to myself, it's a little bit old, like it happened a long, what, quite a while ago, and I thought, I, what I thought is, I'll just leave it in there for now, but I just thought to myself, I'll just leave it, and then maybe over the week, God will remind me of something else that I could share. That was what I thought. So what actually happened is that rather than God reminding me of something else, another time when I'd been disciplined by the Holy Spirit, I was actually literally disciplined by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Yay! Um, so I'll tell you that story, because it happened three days ago. So I was, uh, just this last week, I was in a meeting, and... Um, here at King's House, and Simon was in the meeting, and a few other people were in the meeting, and it was fine, it was going great, and then at one point in the meeting, something was said that I found really difficult, and, uh, and, and my response in the moment, I can't, I mean, I don't know, I think probably what I did was to withdraw a bit, because that's my default, if I find something hard, I'm not very good at always talking about it. Uh, so I withdrew, but also I think I probably then, when I was offering my thoughts and different things, there was probably a little bit of an edge to what I was saying, okay? <laughs> Just to make everyone aware, I wasn't happy. Um, so then, anyway, that was the meeting, it all ended fine, and then I went home, and I talked to my housemate, and I just said, oh, I've had this meeting, I found, I found this thing really hard, I found it really difficult, I probably need to go and process, probably need to go and be with Jesus, you know, be quick to forgive and all that jazz so anyway I did and that was that was good it was good to do that so when I went to um went to spend time with Jesus and I processed it and I talked it all out and I did all that and it was it was good really good that evening I was in another meeting and uh, Simon was also there and he came up to me at one point and he said Wendy were you okay in the meeting earlier um you seemed a bit out of sorts <laughs> you just love a discerning leader <laughs> Out of my mouth came these, this comment. Oh, um, no, I was totally fine. I was totally fine. What made you think I wasn't okay? And he, uh, he gave me an example. I said, oh, yeah, um, no, I think I was fine. I think I was really fine. Knowing that I just processed <laughs> some stuff I'd just gone through about this particular meeting. No, no, I'm fine. So anyway... I finished leading my... I'm in the middle of leading something, by the way, so people are praying, I'm leading. No, I'm fine. Um, sat down, and I experienced the wonderful rod <laughs> of the Holy Spirit. It's comforting, but it's not always comfortable. And I sat there, and the Holy Spirit said to me, you just lied, and you knew you were doing it. <laughs> and you know, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but... You just so desperately want, don't want to listen to him? Anyone else? Oh, no, there's nothing. Oh, you know, and you go through this wrestle. Like, yeah, I did lie. I don't, I, I don't necessarily have to do anything about that. Anyone else? Oh, you've just informed me that I've lied. Oh, that's very helpful. Thank you. I mean, he didn't inform me so that I wouldn't do anything with it. He informed me because he wanted it to change. It was a discipline for me. Because there's the danger. If I, if I lie in a situation like that, then I am not pursuing authenticity. I'm not pursuing the culture of this church family. I'm not showing people who I really am. I'm hiding what's going on in my heart, and I'm, therefore I'm not pursuing connection. That's not the right path. And so I took an opportunity to confess to a couple of friends who laughed at me. <laughs> we all laughed together. I told them what I'd done, and we were, oh no, and that awkward cringiness, and I then quickly sent a text to Simon. I said, um... 
I might have lied earlier <laughs> when, you, when you asked me about that. Let's talk about it next week. So we're going to talk about it this week. <laughs> he's a good shepherd. And he's tender and gentle in his discipline. I tell you what, we can take great comfort from it. He's so committed to us that he does not want us to walk into danger. He wants us to stay on the right path. Thanks, Sam. I said in the first meeting, don't ever aspire to upfront preaching unless you want to show everyone everything about you. (laughs) Let's look at the staff and then we'll pray. So the staff was a different type of uh, instrument. It was a long, slender stick with a hook on the end, and it was really a symbol of the shepherd's concern and compassion for his sheep. And uh, the staff had various different uses, but one of the main uses it had was to guide the sheep. And so what the shepherd would do would, would be to place the tip of the staff on the back of the sheep, either side of them, to guide them as they move forward. And it was a sense also of reassuring the sheep, the shepherd is right there. He's right there. I can feel him. He's right there with me, and he's guiding me. And David talked about the staff bringing him comfort in the valley. Do you notice that? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me in that place. And the reason he would have known the shepherd's staff comforting him in the valley is because he would have been aware that the reason the shepherd had to take the sheep through the valley was because he wanted to get them to the top of the mountain. There was a purpose in going through the valley. If they didn't go through the valley, they couldn't get to the top of the mountain where there was lush grass for them to enjoy and eat. There was a purpose in going through the valley. And again, we can take great comfort in this, guys. I don't know know where you're at. I don't know if you would say you're in the valley at the moment or you're on the high places. I, I don't know where you're at, but you need to know this, that if you are in a valley, the good shepherd is with you And he's gently guiding you and leading you one step in front of the other, forward, forward, so that you get to a better place. You have to walk through the valley to get to the high places. And we can take great comfort in that. And you need to know that if you feel like you're in a valley, the truth is you're not stuck. You are not stuck because the good shepherd is gently guiding you forward. And we had this situation, uh, even this weekend when I was in Leicester, we had a lady there who'd um, experienced her dad dying when she was six years old, and I think she probably felt stuck. She just felt like there was something that she just wasn't free from. You can imagine the trauma that brought for her. But she's prayed, for, prayed through it with many people over the years, and I think every time she's prayed about it, every time she's been honest about it, every time she's been authentic about it, I think it's the shepherd has just been leading her through this valley, just pushing her forward, just one step at a time. Come on, you're doing great. Take another step. Take another step. And then this weekend, I think she got to the high places because she got to pray with one of our team, and within 40 minutes, God had broken something off of her, and she was an entirely different person. The shepherd had been gently, tenderly, come on, Next step, another step, keep going. You're not stuck until you get to the high places where God will bring you breakthrough. I think just as we land, as we finish, I think the key for us is this. If we want to enjoy the rich truth that is written in Psalm 23 and we want to enjoy our good shepherd 
leading us and guiding us, we have to learn increasingly to allow him to actually shepherd us. If we want to enjoy the good shepherd, we've got to let him shepherd us. And what I learned from this book is that sheep can actually be very stubborn. And, you know, like he talks about the sheep would drink from a dirty puddle even though he was about to lead them to a beautiful brook. They didn't realize what was coming. I think we have got to learn to increasingly submit ourselves to the loving care and tender leading of the Good Shepherd so that we can submit to all the beautiful things that we can experience when we do that of him shepherding us. Why don't we stand together? Thank you, Father. That's awesome. Why don't you just focus on Jesus? Our kids are going to come in in just a minute, but we just want to respond. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your shepherding. I just want to encourage us, let's just fix our eyes on Jesus. First of all, I just, I just feel like there's potentially people here, you're here, but you, you haven't yet given your life to Jesus, and so you don't know Jesus as your good shepherd because you haven't yet said, I'd love you to take charge of my life. And so if that's you if, you, if you know you've never yet given your life to Jesus, but you think this is the moment where I want to do that, I want to submit myself to his care, I want to become one of his sheep, um, then I'm just going to pray a prayer, and you can just pray it after me under your breath. Father, thank you that you are my good shepherd. Thank you that you are not indifferent about my situation, but you're involved and you're passionate about me. I thank you that you want to lead me. I thank you that's the best place for me to be under your leadership. And so, Father, I just pray that you'd come and break into my life right now. Help me to learn to be your sheep. Amen. If you you prayed that for the first time, why don't you quickly put your hand up so we can see where you are, so that we can give you some follow-up information. Just quickly put your hand up if you prayed that prayer. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. We might have a a few friends just come and speak to you and just make sure we look after you well. For the rest of us, I just want to take a very quick moment before the kids come up to just respond to whatever God's been speaking to us about this morning. And if you know that Jesus is disciplining you and you perhaps haven't been responding, then just take a moment to repent. Thank him for his discipline and make a decision to respond For others of us, we know that we've gone our own way and Jesus wants us to come back and to to do what he's asking us to do and to live for him. So just take a moment to submit yourself again to his care, just wherever you are. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're a good shepherd. (laughs) 